Hello, my friends. Welcome to the FBCC Chapel Podcast. The Bible says in Psalms how God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, it is our prayer that as you listen, you be refreshed, challenged, and encouraged to be a servant for the Master. And now for today's chapel message. Philippians chapter number 3. If you think about the life of the Apostle Paul, he didn't get saved till he was well into his career. He was, you know, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, Hebrew of the Hebrews. He had the lineage, he had the training. We've, we've understood that in other passages, other messages. But he didn't get saved. He didn't meet Christ till who knows his age. I didn't even try to speculate. But he was, could have easily been in his 30s, maybe even older than that. And yet, in, at least in my estimation, you can disagree. I think he's probably the most amazing Christian we read about in the New Testament. And there's one thing about the Apostle Paul that we're going to see this morning is he never was content with where he was. But he was always content in Christ. In other words, he, he never was satisfied with his level of spiritual life, his devotion to Christ, his, uh, his growth personally. I titled the message, Keep on Climbing. Because we're at a, you know, we're sort of on the downhill slide of this semester. This isn't the time to coast by any means, but we're at week 11. So that means you've had 10 weeks of classes plus one week of party. That's what orientation is, if you didn't catch on. Do you know the basic training for Canadian military Last eight and a half weeks. In half, eight and a half weeks, they take a raw recruit and then they graduate out, and now they're a full fledged soldier or in the Navy of the Canadian Armed Forces. So, in eight and a half weeks, they take someone who knows nothing about military service and, and physical fitness and what it means to be in the armed services, and boom, now they're serving. What difference can somebody say about your life as a result of these 11 weeks? What changes has God made? How is that manifesting in your attitudes, in your actions, in your desires, in your focus? What has happened during these weeks? And unfortunately, I've been doing this a long time. Not unfortunately, I've been doing it a long time. Unfortunately, I've watched it over the years. There are those who come in and they endure a couple of semesters and they leave and there really basically is no change, no mark, no evidence that they even spent time here apart from maybe damage they did to the building. But I mean, in their own life, 
They're, they're nice people. They're good kids. We love them and we do anything to help them. But they were not putting themselves in the crucible and allowing the work of the Spirit of God through the Word of God to bring any life lasting change. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10 and read down through our text. And the Apostle Paul, I'll just go ahead and tell you, the Apostle Paul is challenging all of us, me, you, anybody who reads this passage to strive to know Christ. Interesting, the songs that we were singing today. Do you have a desire? I mean, a genuine desire, not something exerted on you from outside, but from within to know Jesus Christ, to go forward, to press forward as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, striving for the reality of Christ-likeness in you. Is that your desire? Verse 10, that I may know him. Remember who's writing this. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained. Again, remember who wrote this. Either were already perfect, not sinless, but mature. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now verses 15 and 16 tell us how we're to respond. Because verse 15 begins with the word therefore. Let us therefore, or therefore, let us as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Verses 15 and 16 are the text for our message this morning because the Apostle Paul is challenging all of us to go forward, to understand that where we are at is not sufficient. We haven't arrived. We're not all we ought to be. We're not, our thoughts are not all they ought to be. We are not there yet. And I'm afraid what has happened in our modern Christianity is that too often we have become spectators. 
We think because we were in the stadium that we had something to do with the victory or the defeat on the field. I love sports. I watch sports when I can. I pay attention. My teams are all losers, but, you know, I pay attention. Um, Maybe the University of Michigan, if they can get their coach back, I'm not sure. But the call of this passage is to get out of the bleachers and to get into the game. It's not what you know. It's what you are. It's not what you have watched. It's what God is doing in you and will do through you. You know, the thought that a passage of scripture or a sermon that we hear could have some personal and practical application seems to rarely pass through the mind of some. But every time the word of God is opened, it is powerful. And it does cut to the thoughts and intents of our heart if we're clued in, if we're focused, if we're not glazed over saying, well, this is sermon number 393 this semester. What does God want you to do? And what does God want to do in you? Paul is challenging you, young person, to get in the game. And we're going to analyze this by looking at the three times in these two verses, he begins his statement with let us. Let us. In other words, we're to be involved. We're to get involved. We're to allow this to happen. We're to participate in this work of God in us. Notice, first of all, he says there in verse 15, let us therefore, based on what he just said, let us therefore be thus minded. What he's saying is let us have the right attitudes. The word thus minded speaks of to think like this or to have this attitude or to change the way we think or to be intent on this. Earlier in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, that passage that talks about Christ leaving heaven to come to earth to die for us, that he would be glorified, we are told in verse number 5, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Which very simply is saying to you, we are all to have the mind of a servant as did Jesus Christ and not live like our life is all about us. Our life is to be like Jesus Christ who rightfully could have stayed in heaven and had the angels doing his bidding, but he came to this earth, restricted himself to flesh, died on the cross, rose again, so that your sorry soul and my sinful soul could be saved and go to heaven one day. We're to have that mind. And you've grown up in a generation, it's not your fault, but it's a fact, a generation that has told you, live for yourself. It's all about you. It's all about you being happy. It's all about you finding contentment. It's all about you being satisfied. It's all about you. The old Burger King commercial, have it your way. 
And I'm going to tell you something, that life, that kind of life is the most frustrating, empty life you'll ever find. You'll come to the end of your life and say, and what was that all about? Because that's not how God made you. And that's not the purpose for which God made you. God made you and you are his workmanship, as am I, to do his work. It's not all the same. What God wants you to do is not what God wants me to do. But God does have something for you to do. That's why he saved you. He didn't save you so you could go to heaven and walk on streets of gold. He saved you to have a life that has impact and meaning for eternity. Let us have the right attitudes. He used the same phrase in Galatians 5.10. I have confidence in you through the Lord Jesus that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So who is to have this attitude? Well, verse 15 tells you. It says, as many as be perfect. Well, who on earth is that? Well, Jesus uh, said to us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 48, that be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is also perfect. Again, it's not speaking of sinless perfection. It is to God's blood-bought children, those who are believers. We are the ones who are to be striving, to be seeking to grow spiritually into that life of maturity and fullness of service for the Lord. It's not, it's not saying that you can get to some point to where you'll never sin. I wish that were true, but it's not. John said in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8, if any man says he has no sin, he is fooling himself. He's a liar. The truth is not in him. Look, young people, I fail far more than I ever would like to admit, but it's a fact. And I have to deal with that on a regular basis. I have to deal with the way I think. I have to deal with whether or not I'm doing what God wants me to do. I have to deal with what is God's plan here, not what is Bob's plan. I'm no different than you. I'm just older. But the battles are the same. Because I live in this body of flesh. And I have to yield my will. But that's not what I want to do. This is what I want to do. You know what? Nobody cares what you want. It matters what God wants. And it's time to grow up and face that. You're not a child. God has a plan for you. And either you're going to frustrate that plan and be miserable. Or you're going to yield to that plan and find fulfillment. Let us have the right attitudes. The battle with our sin nature at your stage of life is often not shown in your actions as much as in your attitudes. It's not the event that you think is unfair or nobody else has to face or you're going through this so hard. That's not really the issue. The issue is how did you respond to it? Look, life isn't fair. If you grew up in a house and told you you need things to be fair, you were sadly misinformed. Because life, life is not fair. 
But God is good. And God's ways are best. And the steps of a good man and woman are ordered by the Lord. So this is a challenge to you and me who are saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. But our, the result of being saved is positionally we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we're accepted in the beloved. But that doesn't mean we just, we're to sit back and coast into eternity. But rather we are to be, be becoming practically perfect, mature, complete for the Lord. This is God's work of sanctification by his Holy Spirit in his word in you. God wants you to grow up. Isn't that what the word mature means? God wants you to be complete. That means capable to do what he has for you to do. Young people, that's why college is important. That's why Bible training is important. You have no clue what you're going to face 20 years down the road, but God does. And God is preparing you now for then. You know, I had no idea I was going to be a pastor. I was an education major. I thought I'd five days a week work in a Christian school and coach some sports teams. I'd have the weekend to myself. That quickly disappeared when I realized that's not what God had for me to do. But I am so glad for the training I had. I'm so glad I had to work 48 hours a week while I was in college to pay my way through school so that I could work the number of hours that I work now. I'm not, I'm not bragging because I'm not all I ought to be. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying God's way is perfect. God has a plan for you. You say, well, God hasn't called me to ministry. You don't know yet. Life isn't over. I didn't surrender to be a pastor till I was nearly 30 years of age. I was just going to be a school teacher. I'm not intimidated by high school students. Well, now I may be, but I wasn't back then. The point is, I never thought I'd be doing this. I've never had one class on homiletics, how to prepare a sermon. Not one. I never took pulpit speech. I've had to learn the hard way. And I'm glad for what the path God has had me on. But I'm just saying, don't short circuit what God wants you to do. But I want to take that next step. I want to go on in life. I want to get out of college and go have some fun. Let me tell you something. Life isn't about fun. And if you think that that's what life is all about, you're going you're gonna to end up very, very disappointed. Now, there's plenty of joy and fun that comes in serving Jesus, but not in living for ourselves. If Paul said, I'm not where I ought to be. I'm not as far down the road as I want to go. I haven't, I haven't grown as much as God wants me to grow. I would say you and I should be saying the same thing. His statement is not for us to just consider, well, that's an interesting thought. But the wording, the, the very verbiage of it says we are to be focused, we're to be intent, we're to be purposeful about having this right attitude. And it's a challenge because to be purposeful, it demands maximum effort. 
just for curiosity, I went on the internet, some statements about attitude. This is a little more my generation, but there was a American ice skater who was an Olympic champion. His name was Scott Hamilton, came down with brain cancer. And when he was diagnosed with brain cancer, he made a speech and he made this statement, the only disability in life is a bad attitude. I thought, whoa. Here's a guy with brain cancer. I don't know if he's still alive or not. He wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. He found his joy in, in, in being in ice skating, and that was taken from him. And he said, no, cancer's not the disability. Attitude's a disability. A famous uh, positive mental thinking kind of a leadership guru, Zig Ziglar, said, your attitude, not your aptitude, meaning abilities, will determine your altitude. Look, young person, if all you're doing is enduring this semester, then maybe you ought to just go on. I, I, I want you all to stay. I want you all to get all God has for you. But if at 11 weeks there's not been one change in your heart spiritually or one change in your attitude emotionally and mentally, then, then you missed it. Obviously, our goal isn't to be the biggest college in America or in the Americas. If so, we'd put an ice skating rink. Oh, we could do that. Just flood the field. We, we got it. Rock climbing wall. Well, just put some you know, ropes hanging over the new building there. Let you go climbing. No, I'm not making fun of those things. Good schools have those. I'm just saying. This is about being in boot camp. This is basic training. God has a plan for you, but you got to get in shape. So let us have the right attitudes. That's what church is about. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse number 12 talks about uh, how God gave pastors and teachers to local churches. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. That's what church is all. Church isn't to be entertaining. I know a lot of modern churches are going that direction, but that's not what it's about. Now, it's not purposefully to be boring, but the purpose of church is for you and me to be maturing, to becoming more complete, to be more like Christ for the work of the ministry. And he said there at the end of verse 15, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even that unto you. And that's so true. If, if that's not your attitude, if that's not your desire, if that's not your motive, it does come to light. But when we are willing, and even more so when we desire to grow spiritually, God will guide us into all truth. So let us, therefore, be thus minded. But secondly, he goes on to say, verse 16, let us walk by the same rule. You know, you can tell a whole lot about a person by the way they walk. It's fairly entertaining. I'm a, when I'm stuck in an airport traveling, preaching, whatever, I'm sort of a people watcher. 
You can tell, that guy's a farmer. You can sort of tell, you know, each step, you know, he's like climbing over the clods or something. Others, you can see, they're, they're purposeful. They've got a plan. They're going someplace or they're, they're walking. And others are like, they're aimless in life. It's like they're ice skating, you know. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they walk. In Roger's thesaurus, it lists dozens of English words that are synonyms for walking. Those who walk pompously or proudly, those who walk with a swagger, those who walk crouched down as when hunting. One writer said, you can tell a great deal about a person by the way they walk, their decisive character or their deceitfulness. Family resemblances show up in the way people walk. First church I worked at, we had this, uh, he was a Dutchman, he drove a semi-truck, he was sort of a shorter guy, Lloyd, his name, Lloyd Scop, and he walked a particular way. And, and you know, I, I, I just thought it was unique, didn't pay much attention to it till his son was in our Christian school. And I was behind his son one day walking down an aisle or a hallway or something, and I thought, whoa, you can tell that's Lloyd's son. Walk just like his dad. The word walk is not talking about putting one foot in front of another. It's talking about how we move through life. In fact, the Bible repeatedly tells us that we are to walk a particular way. In Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, particularly chapter 5, we're told that we are to walk worthy of our salvation. That's in chapter 4. In verse 5, we're to walk as imitators of God, followers of God as dear children. Verse 2, we're to walk in love. Verse 8, we're to walk as children of light. Verse 15 of Ephesians 5, we're to walk circumspectly, meaning we're not careless, we're not haphazard, we're thoughtful. Chapter 5, verse 21, we're to walk in submission. 1 Thessalonians 4, 12, we're to walk honestly. And on and on and on, the Bible talks about our walk. So here the Apostle Paul wrote to these believers in Philippi and said, let us walk, how? By the same rule. There's got to be some kind of a standard. There's got to be some kind of a model that we are following. And it speaks of our direction. It speaks of our effort. It speaks of making progress. Again, 11 weeks have you made progress. By the same rule speaks of some established principles. Galatians 6.16 puts it this way. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace beyond them and mercy. The word rule there is used of a straight piece of wood or metal that can be fastened to anything to keep it straight. We use a level today in, in construction. You put it on top of a, a picture and it tells you if it's hanging straight. Our eyes can be deceitful. Or it can be used for not only straightness or knowing the level, but for measuring. Uh, in construction, they'll, they'll talk about using a rule or a tape measure. 
If you know anything about flying, it's one thing to fly by sight. It's another thing to fly by instrument. And when you fly by instrument, there's, you know, equipment in the plane that tells you if you are on the right path or not, that you have dialed into that instrument prior to takeoff. There's little vectors all over, I, I know, North America. I don't know about the rest of the world. And one time, the first mission trip I took, uh, we flew from western Michigan down to Laredo, Texas, and then we crossed by van over into Mexico. And on that flight, the pilot kept uh, putting in where we were to the next vector. And then even if we ended up in a bank of clouds or for whatever reason, could not see the ground, as long as he kept the plane on that line, on that vector, we knew we were where we were so supposed to be. And if we drifted off, he would make adjustments. And all the way, all the way from Western Michigan down to Laredo, Texas, that's how we flew. God has given us a guidebook. It's not your opinion. It's not my opinion. It's not what's comfortable to you. It's not what's comfortable to me. We are to align our walk with the word of God. And none of us do it perfectly. But when that's why our daily time in the word is so vital. Because we start to drift and God's spirit says, oh, pay attention here, draw back. Uh, pull it back. We are to walk by the same rule. God has given us the word of God, young people, so that we can get from where we are to where he is in eternity safely. I love history. I've read a lot of World War II history. It always fascinated me about these major convoys of ships that would sail across the Atlantic to Europe for the war. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, how on earth those massive uh, ships, battleships, so on, how can, they, how can they go across the ocean and not have mishaps? Well, they all have a plan, and not only do they have to keep the ship on, on line for their personal plan, but they always have to be aware of the others around them. What a beautiful picture of the Christian life. I'm responsible to God for myself. And I will answer to him for how I've lived my life. But I'm also accountable to God to how my life impacts others. And am I encouraging, discouraging? Am I helping others go the right way? Or am I encouraging them to go their own way? We have responsibility before God. And we must be very aware of those around us. We take our orders from the Lord, not from one another. And as we sail in God's formation, we do not take our orders from the ships on either side, but from the admiral on the flagship, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, let us be thus minded, have the right attitudes. Let us walk by the same rule, have the right standards. And thirdly, let us mind the same thing. I'm talking about having the right consistency. When the Bible speaks of minding something, it's talking about something that we 
focus at, can be encouraged by, even to marvel or to be amazed or to hold in admiration. Young people, make sure you get this, write it down, engrave it in your mind. Our desire at Faithway Baptist College of Canada is for you to be conformed to Jesus Christ alone. I don't want you to be like me. You girls that look bad with a bald head. The goal isn't for you to have silly, boring humor like I have, guys, when you become a preacher. Remember, you, you don't have an excuse. You take pulpit speech. I have an excuse. <laughs> the point is, we want you to be like Jesus. That's it. That, that's, the, that's the end goal here. We are to mind the same thing. We're to live up to this standard of Christ. We're to live according to his rule. We're to have his mind, his attitude. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. A verse of scripture I reference often, but rarely do we go and have you look at it, eyeball it for yourself. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Here it is, but they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Measuring themselves by themselves. That's the guy who spiritually looks in the mirror and says, looking good. I've got it. Or the guy or young lady who looking at the other kids in the student body says, you know, I'm getting less demerits than them. I'm getting in less trouble than them. So I must be spiritual. Imagine if the Apostle Paul had taken that attitude. He looked at John, the beloved Apostle, and Peter till he was martyred, and others that were around in his day. Paul, he wouldn't have written Philippians chapter 3. Because he could have said, I've started more churches than any of these other guys. In fact, I trained half of them. None of them measure up to me. None of them have written as many New Testament books as I have. So <clears throat> I must be doing pretty good. But even though God used Paul to plant all those churches and train all those men and write these 14, 13 or 14 New Testament books, he says, woe is me. I've not arrived. I've not become. I'm not mature as much as I ought to be in Christ. In fact, the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul use several illustrations uh, on this topic in the writings. In 1 Corinthians, he said, uh, we're running a race. Every runner must run by the rules and they are to complete their own race 
to win the prize. Look, young people, there will be times. I've had it happen where you hit the wall spiritually. Long distance runners will use that phrase, how that the oxygen depletion will uh, be such, the muscles will cramp a bit, and you've got to push through that to be able to finish the race. My daughter-in-law's run some marathons. I think she's absolutely mentally insane, but she's run some marathons. And she's talked about this. You've just got to power through it. Spiritually, you will hit difficult times. You'll hit dry times. You'll, you'll, you'll be time, there will be times when the weight seems so great, your spiritual muscles are contracting, that you say, I can't go on. And that's exactly where God wants you to get so you find out it's not I but Christ. No, I can't, but he can through me. Say, but I, I don't have a, maybe a Christian home or I don't have the support others have. And how on earth can I keep going in college and keep pressing on? Let me tell you something, young people. You will learn lessons trusting God going forward that you would learn no other way. Now, I'm glad for those of you, your parents are able to pay your bill and that's a blessing. That's wonderful. God didn't want me to have that privilege. My parents, I don't think, ever sent me even 10 bucks to get through college. They couldn't. It was all on me. And I had to pray. And I had to hit that time where the college I went to, if you didn't pay it every 30 months, you were out. You couldn't come to class so you got it paid. I remember there I was. It was a day or two before the bill was due. I think I owed something like 300 bucks, which going back when Noah got off the ark, that was a lot of money. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I did the faith walk down to the mailbox and opened it up. And there was nothing in there but a few cobwebs. And I was standing outside the office getting ready to go in and say, you know what? I don't have the money, so I guess I'll be leaving. One of the ladies on staff, I'd never even did I remember had a conversation with her. And she came out and. The lady never married, just gave her life to the ministry there. She said, Bob, something bothering you? And I just told her, I said, I just came down to see you because I don't have the money. She asked me how much it was, but I think she was very aware how much it was. And she said, well, you know what? I'll take care of it myself and you can pay me back when you can. That was my first semester of my first year of college. Shortly after that, was Christmas break. Our college semester didn't end until two weeks after we went back, which was absolutely stupid because all we did all Christmas break was homework and reading. I read the entire Old Testament those two weeks. I got so far behind. (laughs) Talk about a terrible lesson I had to learn. But when I came back from Christmas break, that's when I got a job at a steel foundry where from January of 1974 until the summer of 1979, I worked 48 hours a week. I was able to pay her back. I was able to pay my bill. I was able to get married. I was able to drive a brand new car, which I've not done since, and graduated from college with both of our bills paid in full. 
God taught me some great lessons through hardship. Look, young people, life isn't always easy. Struggling in a class, then rather than complain about that mean teacher, Pastor Wall, because I know it's me, ask yourself, am I really putting forth the effort? Am I learning what God wants me to learn? You know, it's not the grade that you get that's important. It's the character. It's time management. It's fulfilling responsibilities. That's what this is all about. It's a spiritual boot camp. Don't quit halfway up the mountain. Don't give up just because it's hard. When it's hard, you can learn the greatest lessons you'll ever learn. You see, to pursue the prize of Christ-likeness, which is what the Apostle Paul said in verse 14, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have to keep our attitudes right. We have to keep our focus right, the rules by which we live. We have to keep our consistency right, minding the same thing. Christ-like attitudes, Bible-based rules, standards. I'm not talking about externals. I'm talking about the guideposts of life and a day-in, day-out, consistent focus on pursuing Christ. Just keep on. One step after a time. At the foot of one of the Swiss Alps, there's a marker honoring a man who fell to his death, attempting to climb that mountain. Just a simple little marker. His name and, a brief, and the, the date and a brief epitaph which said, he died Climbing. He died climbing. The epitaph of every Christian should be that they finished their life. They died continuing to climb on the upward path of the prize of Christ-likeness. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me just tell you something, young people. If you quit in any endeavor, it's hard to do the first time, but it becomes easier and easier and easier every time you do. And you know what? We don't read about any quitters. We read about those who just kept moving forward for Christ. William Carey, father of modern missions, said, I'm just a plotter for my Lord. But what was he saying? I'm not a bright, brilliant, everybody wants to be like me. I'm just every day pursuing my Savior. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. To be all he created you to be. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Are you floating?
Or are you climbing? Are you pressing forward? Or are you finding a comfortable place where there's not a whole lot of pressure? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Are you measuring self, yourself by yourself or comparing yourself to others so that you can find a comfort level? I'm good enough. It's good enough. Is that what God, is that all God has for you? Oh, young person, don't miss all that God does have for you in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you'd work in the hearts of our young people and continue to work in my heart, Lord, that I'd never become self-satisfied, that I'd never think that I've arrived, that I'd ever think I'm as much like you as you want me to be. Lord, stir in all of our hearts a desire to keep climbing until you call us home. Thank you for joining us on today's Chapel Podcast. We hope it was an encouragement and a help to you. If you have any questions or are interested in knowing more about our college, feel free to contact us through our website, fbccanada.org, or on any of our social media platforms. And as always, may Christ be lifted up, God be glorified, and servants be trained for the Master's plan. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day.